For me, this is like reading scripture at Wembley Stadium. There's so many people looking at me. Uh, but our reading this evening is, uh, is Mark uh, chapter 6, uh, verses 24 to 34. Mark chapter 6, twen- chapter 5, sorry. It says up there, Mark 6, Mark 5. Indeed, I am a, I am a, a pastor, really, I promise. I know where, what the Bible is. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 24 to 34. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she got worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she had been freed from suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around at the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The disciples said, you see the people crowding against you, don't you? How can you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, she told him the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Thank you, Matey. You should have seen Clive's face when you started talking with a microphone. He was like, not these two again. I thought I'd left them in Andover. So good evening. Tonight we're going to be looking, um, continuing our series on, on Amazing Grace, six stories of unconditional love. And the aim of this series, if you've not been here previously, is to essentially sit back in awe and wonder at God's amazing grace. So often we can try and do things, can't we? We can try and accomplish things. We can be focused on how can I be better? How can I apply this passage of scripture, which is awesome, and which is what we're called to to do as disciples. But for this series, the heart and aim is that we just sit back and experience something of God's grace and his love. And we go, do you know what, Jesus? This is why I'm in relationship with you, because you're awesome. Because this is stuff is real. Because this concept isn't just a concept, but it changes and transforms our lives. That's the aim and heart of this series. And tonight we're looking at the woman lost in a crowd. And in a moment I'm going to tell the story like I've done in past sermons before. You're probably getting quite familiar with the style, that kind of narrative style of telling the story. And I wanted to briefly explain, maybe for those that don't know, some of the reasons that I take creative license is the term I want to use. Because there are certain things that I maybe add to the story, certain things that I explain in more detail that's not actually found in the scripture. And I wanted to explain the reason I do that. So there's three reasons. The first is that in these stories, we enter a world, don't we, that is so different to ours. I mean, Jesus didn't go around with with iPads and iPhones and contact his disciples through Facebook. Would have made things significantly easier, but he didn't do it. So we enter a world that is so different to us. So how can we imagine it? How can we imagine what's going on? And in, the, in this creative license, I try to explain something of that culture. 
And also, the second point is this idea of cultural intricacies. There's certain things that are going on in these stories that to us we may bypass, but actually when you find them out, the whole story is completely different. You understand the character differently. You understand the way they're relating to others differently. So I try to, rather than just read the story and then explain all of these cultural intricacies and things, I try to weave them into the story so, so you learn it. You leave and you remember the story and then you remember all these cool things about the Bible. And the third reason is that I want to kind of create characters that you can relate to. And I know that sounds heretical, Rosh, you're creating characters from the Bible, they're already there, mate. I understand that. But what I mean by that is that sometimes we just, we're not even given the name of a particular character. This character jumps onto the scene, is impacted by Jesus, and then disappears. So it's hard to relate to that character because we don't really know anything about them. We don't know what they're going through. So, so, so sometimes I try to describe their emotional features maybe at the time of meeting Jesus. I try to describe what's going on in their situation. So suddenly this character who can seem so dead and gone is someone that you can really relate to and be impacted by. So the woman we're looking at tonight, the woman lost in the crowd, hasn't got a name. So I've called her Shanna. I think it's quite a fitting name. Shanna is, is grace in Hebrew. It's pretty cool, isn't it? So I think it's a very fitting name for a story all about grace. So without further introduction... I want to tell you the story. Shanna lets out a small groan. She's woken up again by stomach cramps. She removes her sheets. She sits up in her bed and she wipes her brow. It's covered in sweat. She's shattered. It doesn't matter how many hours of sleep she gets. She always wakes up tired, weary, and hopeless. Sometimes she doesn't even want to wake up. Because waking up means facing another day, and facing another day is not worth it. She's bleeding again. This is her third cycle of the month. Stomach cramps, weariness, and constant steady bleeding are to follow. Twelve years she's suffered this disease. For twelve years her menstrual cycle has been far more regular and, and far more random than that of a healthy woman. For twelve years she's been unable to have children. Her husband, um, frustrated, ashamed by his infertile wife, left her. For 10 years, she's now been living with her family, waking up in her family's bed. She feels she's failed as a woman because she's been unable to give birth. She feels she's failed as a wife because her husband left her. She's been to all kinds of doctors and local healers. She's tried all the new, newfangled medical experiments, all the herbs and medicines and things that people could possibly offer, but nothing has worked. So she gets out of bed. She begins to slowly and tiredly get dressed, firstly making sure that she takes care of the bleeding. She doesn't want to get anything on her tunic. This is routine. This is normal. This is the familiar. This is her everyday life. As she begins to get dressed, she starts to pick up on all the commotion going on outside. She can hear people muttering and making noise. She walks to the door, and as she opens it, she's almost blinded by the sun. She has to cover her eyes. She's not used to the sunlight. She's not really being used to outside. She's, she's too ashamed to be outside amongst other people, amongst normal people. And she doesn't want to bring in more embarrassment on her family. As she's covering her eyes from the sun, she surveys the scene. Looking down the road, hundreds of people are gathered, literally the length 
of the road. And as she's looking and, and, and trying to see what's going on, two men walk past the door. She can overhear their conversation. Did you see Jesus? He's been, he's been healing all these people. Some have just like touched him and been healed. Like, he even just calmed a storm with his words. It was insane. Jesus. That's a name Shanna's heard before. This Jesus guy, people have been traveling all over from Jerusalem and Judea and Edomia to see this, 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 this rabbi. Some say he's meant to be the savior of the Jewish people, her people. He's meant to be this incredible Messiah. He does these amazing miracles and he heals people. She's wanted so badly to meet him. The instant she heard about him, she wanted to meet him, but she can't. She's too weak. She can't make the journey. And yet here he is, literally a stone's throw from her house. Adrenaline starts to rush through her blood, her, uh, her veins, her, her heart fills with hope. For the first time in years, she instantly leaves the house and she begins to make her way through the crowd. As soon as she enters the kind of thickness of the crowd, the air is, is hot and heavy. It has this kind of sticky feeling. She begins to push her way through the people gathered around. She begins to feel claustrophobic and nervous. She's not been around this many people in such a long time. And as she begins to make her way through the crowd, some people start to recognize who they are. You can tell the ones that know who she is because instantly they begin muttering to one another. They begin giving her this look of disgust and disgrace, quickly getting out of her way to avoid being touched by this woman and being made unclean. You see, in her culture, in the Jewish culture, a woman on a menstrual cycle is considered unclean. And being 12 years of being on and off on this cycle on such a regular basis, she is considered constantly unclean, in a state of uncleanliness and unworthiness and dirtiness. People want to get out her way. In the Jewish Torah, our Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 15 verse 19, it says, When a woman has a discharge of blood that is her regular discharge from her body, she shall be in her impurity for seven days. And whoever touches her shall be unclean until the evening. Shanna's used to this reaction. She's used to being an outcast. She's used to people moving out the way and giving her a look of disgust and disapproval. So much so that she's oblivious to what's going on. She continues to push her way through the crowd. And as she does so, the crowd begins to thicken. She realizes she's getting near to Jesus. And suddenly she sees him. I mean, he's right in front of her. He's walking, surrounded directly by his disciples, people from all angles, trying to talk to him, trying to vie for his attention. And she starts thinking, I, I can't talk to him. I'm unclean. I'm unworthy. But if I can touch his robe, if I can just touch his robe, he won't see me and I'll be healed. Instantly she launches forward and her hand touches his robe. As soon as her hand makes contact with the material, a warmth floods her arms and goes into her body. The stomach cramps disappear. She has energy for the first time in years. It's like the tiredness has just fallen off her and the bleeding, the bleeding stopped. She doesn't just feel renewed, she feels whole. For the first time in 12 years, she's been healed. 
Suddenly, Jesus stops. He senses something different, like some powers left him. And he turns around looking at his disciples. Who's, who touched me? Who, someone touched me. Who, who touched me? The disciples, looking quite confused by Jesus' reaction. Jesus, you're surrounded by people touching you. People are touching you from all angles. We, we don't get it. Are, are you okay? This... Shanna moves from the crowd. She emerges suddenly from all the people gathered around. Her shoulders are slumped. Her head is lowered. She's trembling. And her eyes are covered in tears. She falls before Jesus' feet. Avoiding eye contact, she says, Master, it was me. You see, I've been, I've been ill for, for 12 years. And... And I wanted to touch your robe. I, I wanted to be healed, and, and I did. And I, and, I, and I have been. Jesus smiled. That kind of smile that just changes a situation. And instantly, her trembling, her fear, it just falls away. And he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be made well from your disease. story is amazing, isn't it? When you start to learn some of those cultural intricacies, when you start to learn some of what she would have experienced, how much of an outcast this woman would have been considered, you go, wow. That moment that would seem so small, really, to many of us, is huge. You think about that moment in her life, 12 years. 12 years is a long time. That's almost half my age. That makes some of you feel very old. So I want to ask the question, where is grace in this story? That is the question that we've been asking. Not, not grace as in, where's grace? Oh, she's popped up over there. But grace is in the concept of grace. Where do we see grace at work in this story? And you know the answer is simple. Jesus demonstrates grace and love when he turns around. That's it. Three of the most powerful words in this story. Jesus turned around. Everyone else shunned this woman. Everyone else considered her an outcast. Everyone else disapproved of her, moved out the way, didn't want to be any, anywhere near her, were disgusted by her, made her feel unworthy, and all these feelings she expressed. But Jesus, he turned around. He gave her attention. He gave her dignity when no one else would give her dignity. He gave her time when no one else would give her time. Before all these people gathered around, they were like, yes, you're the next best thing, Jesus. You're the rabbi. Why are you dealing with this woman, mate? Leave her alone. He turned around and gave her attention. He gave her dignity. He showed love and he showed grace. So from that story to your life, where are you? Do you come here maybe feeling unclean? If you're honest, do you feel dirty when you come to church, when you come before Jesus? Do you feel unworthy? As if, do you know what? I, I don't deserve to come before him. Or maybe this idea of being an outcast, maybe something of that resonates with you. Maybe you've always felt like everyone else kind of shuns you and ignores you. And I don't say this stuff to stand here and what somehow emotionally manipulate you. 
I say this stuff because this story is so profound. And if we can grasp something of how Jesus responds to our feelings of uncleanliness, of dirtiness, of unworthiness, that he turns around and gives us dignity and shows his grace, his love, and his mercy. If we can grasp something of that, then surely our lives will be transformed. Surely our lives will be changed by that very moment. So here's the response. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I'm calling us as a church to do this evening. Touch his robe and receive his grace. Bring all that stuff that, that, that burdens you, all of those feelings, all those things, and, and lay them at his feet. Touch his robe and receive his grace. And you know, as I was preparing this message, I was, I was kind of, I practiced the narratives, and I got to the end, and I, I'd done this bit, and I was like, I've been like 12 minutes long. I've got to surely add some kind of really quirky illustration or I've got to draw you into some modern day situation. But you know what? I can't. So I'm going to finish here because that's the story. That's the truth. And that's what I believe God is trying to communicate to us this evening. Touch his robe and receive his grace. So we're going to have a practical response to this. Here is um, obviously the cross. It's not a robe in that sense. But we don't have the physical embodiment of Jesus before us, but we have a demonstration of his love expressed for us on the cross. And I want to give you an opportunity during the next time of worship, during the songs, to come forward. Maybe it is feelings of uncleanliness and worthiness. Maybe it's other stuff. But all I know is as a symbol, not because this cross will, magical powers will come out of it or anything like that, but as a symbol before you and God, just before you and God, touch something tangible to express that you want to receive his grace. And I'm going to pray now that when we have those moments, when we come to this cross, again, not because of anything is powerful in this cross, but because he shows his grace because he loves us, that we in those moments, in this time of approaching it, in sacrificing that for him, will experience something of his grace. Because it takes a lot of courage to get up here and do this. And if no one responds, no one responds. But it's in his hands. It's in his hands, right? We'll see what happens. Let's pray. Father, this is, this is your time. This whole service has been yours. We acknowledge that tonight. These songs, these, these talks, everything we do is pointless unless you're at the center. So as people come now to respond to this, to receive your grace as we wrestle with what has been said, as we wrestle with this story, may we tonight as your people who come before you and say we're not worthy, we are unclean, we are dirty, but you show us mercy, love and grace. May we receive and experience that grace, experience that love. In Jesus' name, amen.